Hello and welcome. You are listening to an episode of the Sales Chat Show. To stream or download a host of further free episodes that will power your sales success, please visit saleschatshow.com. We really hope that you enjoy and benefit from this episode. Hello folks, welcome to another episode of the Sales Chat Show, saleschatshow.com, driving your sales forward. I'm Simon Hazeldean, I'm here with my esteemed colleagues, Mr. Graham Jones, and a visitor today, Mr. Phil Jessen, who has returned from a month-long speaking tour of Australia. And good day, good day. <laughs> and Graham and I would like to officially go on record and say we're not jealous of Phil in any way at all. Not one little bit. Not good enough. (laughs) Welcome back from Oz, Mr. Jesson, sir. Um, Thank you. Today's session, we are going to look at the thorny subject of recruitment. So for the sales managers listening in, sales leaders, how do you recruit the best quality salespeople? And also for you aspiring sales managers, recruiting good salespeople is going to be something you're going to need to be very good at if you aspire to be a sales manager. So... Over to you, Phil, your thoughts on how on earth do you find the very best salespeople, recruit them and uh, keep them, I guess, as well? Yes, thank you. Um, I'd like to start, if I may, by uh, saying that um, in my capacity as a consultant, I've sat in on a number of interviews conducted by sales manager clients of mine and have often been horrified at what they perceive to be the right way to recruit new salespeople. Example one would be the sales manager who uh, is sat opposite the uh, impressionable candidate and comes out with that legendary sell me a pen nonsense, as if that is an effective technique to evaluate the salesman. Uh, I've also been in a situation where I've seen sales managers who've done very little preparation prior to the interview and I sat there with the CV reading the CV at the same time as looking at the candidate and come out with a wonderful opening line like I see you live in Luton then uh, as if that has got any relevance on the situation I think why this is becoming increasingly important as a topic is that years ago I think sales managers did interview and recruit salespeople. I think today it's the other way around I think today, salespeople yes. recruit the companies they're going to work for and trust their livelihood, family, mortgage, CV, the whole thing. So I think the, the, the emphasis has changed and I think sales managers, sales directors do need to be aware of that. So what I would suggest that we talk about, chaps, today is, well, when you think of the guidelines for effective recruitment for a salesperson, what would you consider to be those guidelines? I think if we can come up with 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 or whatever, I think our listeners will be very happy. So who would like to kick us off on guidelines for recruitment? I can have a go. I mean, I think if you listen to enough of the episodes um, from Sales Chat Show, you'll hear all three of us going on and on about planning and preparation. And again, you know, you've got to plan and prepare properly for recruiting. So for example, first and foremost, you're not likely to find it if you don't know what it is. Now what I mean is if you don't know what profile of salesperson you're looking for, 
then you're not going to ask the right sort of questions, you're not going to attract the right sort of candidate. So having some sort of job profile, competence profile against which you can ask structured questions and then check for the Do you want to experience. explain what you mean by competence? Yeah, profile, competence. For those that are not familiar with that. Yeah, sure. A competence is a kind of a cluster of skills and behaviours, I think is one of the definitions of use of a competence. So for example, if you're looking for someone who's going to be knocking on doors for you in a, in a front-end business development role, you're probably looking for a different set of competences than if you're looking for someone to manage existing key accounts, for example. Or in fact, if it's a key account, if it's a large, complex customer, I would say that's a very different skill set to a out there, knocking on doors, picking up the phone, business development role. So you will be looking potentially for different experience, different competences, and potentially a different psychological profile of those individuals mm. as well. Mm. Okay. That's all sounding complicated. I've got to work out competencies and all those kind of things. I just want some geezer who sells more than the last bloke. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that what I want as a sales manager? Hundreds. Isn't it simple? Potentially, potentially, but it depends on what environment you're putting them into. Um, sometimes a fish out of water, to use the overused analogy. You know, people who are good at managing existing relationships, the classic, rather stereotypical farmer salesperson usually very different behavioural profile from the stereotypical hunter profile. And I tend to recommend that people use kind of like a behavioural interviewing process where you ask questions around their recent behaviour, the theory being that recent behaviour is the most accurate predictor of future behaviour. So, you know, could you tell me about a time you've had to do this and what action did you take? So an evidence-based type. Yeah, very much, very much evidence-based because I think, you know, you, 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 at, the, at, the, at the opening you said about the sell me this pen thing and, you know, often when I'm working with sales managers, they, I ask them, do you have your favourite pet questions? Yeah, what's your number one weakness? Well, anyone who's got their head screwed on has read the tough answers to tough interview questions book <laughs> and knows exactly how to well I sometimes find it very hard I do get a bit impatient with people who just don't like to get on with things and get achieve results you know it's that sort of and that's my biggest weakness so you turn your weakness into a please remember you're interviewing salespeople here mm. <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're good sell themselves and if you. they're any good they're going to be able to sell themselves sell themselves to you so yes to answer graham's challenge yes you do want the very best obviously you want the very best person but i think you need to understand the competences you're looking for so, so when you think about a salesperson coming for an interview with a set of skills and a set of attitudes where, yeah. where do you go on the balance of checking out sales skills versus sales attitudes is that a 50 50 split for you or is one more important than the other i think they are they're inextricably linked but i think attitudinal is you know sometimes people say you hire for competence and you fire for attitudes so there is a personality behavioral piece culturally do they fit your organization would they be suitable in front of your in front of your customers you know what knowledge do they possess of the industry potentially but I would tend to err on the side of sales competence their ability to sell which can then be adapted to an, in, to an industry there, there are obvious exceptions but I think I have a number of clients who are 
overly obsessed with finding someone who knows about insert name of industry. I think it depends how complex the industry is and how complicated the, the, the sales process is. These are things that can be taught or learnt and I would yeah. usually I would favour the innate sales capability and competence of the person versus things that can be um, knowledge mm. that can be learned. So how do you find that out then? How do you find out if somebody is a born salesperson? Well, I say born, I mean, I think, I think you know, that nobody's found a sales, nobody's found a sales gene yet. But there are probably some things, you know, and it, so if, for example, you can, you can ask them questions around how do you go about, tell me about a time when you've questioned a customer to understand the customer's needs and problems and challenges. Tell me a specific time. Get them to describe what they do. What process do they go through? Or even if you ask that question, if they go, um, that tells you something. Yeah. So, so what process do you go through? Tell me about how you would go. If we gave you the job, for example, how would you how would you do this? Or tell me about a time when you've successfully secured a brand new customer for your company. What did you do? Talk me through the process, or tell me about a time you failed to successfully win over a new customer. What did you do? What did you learn? What would you do differently? What happens time? though if this is their first job and yeah. they they they're not coming from yeah. Planet Sales, but they've got to the interview stage because we've sensed that there's something about yeah. them that we ought to be checking out. But if so, if they haven't got the evidence from a sales uh, history. Where, yeah. where do you go with your questions? Then I would look at creating a competency profile around some of the behavioural characteristics that we would be looking for. So capacity to learn, for example, would be very important in a very new salesperson. Do they look like someone who's coachable and trainable and manageable? Um, some analytical ability might be necessary, drive and energy, their ability to communicate. You can always ask around the ability to persuade. When have you managed to persuade somebody to your yeah. point of view? And keep it quite generic and they're kind of generic skills that underpin yeah um, sales success and then you can build more sophisticated competencies over and above mm. that. so you say there's no sales gene but I think there is okay because if we go back to there's a psychologist called John Bowlby who uh, developed the theory of attachment mm -hmm. and attachment is about when you're a baby you need to form a very solid relationship with with your parents because otherwise you won't survive because there's no source of food or nurture or care and so on. But attachment is a two-way process. So not only does the mum and dad have to attach themselves to the baby, but the baby has to attach themselves to mum and dad. So in a sense, the baby has to sell themselves to mum and dad in order to get nurtured. Otherwise, they die. So I think somewhere in us is this ability to sell ourselves to other people in order mm. to form attachment. It's what is the basis of all relationships. So I think the problem with many people who can't sell, or the people who don't have these competencies, is that somewhere in their history, selling, attaching, has been knocked out of them. So I'd like to know what they did as children. That would tell me whether or not they're a good salesperson. So you'd probe into their childhood? Yeah. Do you tell me about your childhood? Well, I, no, I'd tell them, I'd ask them about you know, how they grew up, what, mm. what life was like growing up. And from that, you could deduce, you know, did they have a good relationship with mum and dad? Were they, as the psychologists would call it, securely attached? And I would think you'll probably find that if we look at salespeople, uh, one of the 
constant things between them is that they had secure attachments in childhood mm, and their ability to build relationships yeah. with others that's very yeah. interesting and, I mean we use uh, sometimes a profiling instrument called prism brain mapping which is a neuroscience based instrument and what we can do with clients is build up a role profile based upon the behaviours that prism has in, uh, the measures and then you can compare the, compare the candidates to that now interestingly the prism model of human behaviour says that there is a genetic component there is, a, there is an adapted component to your life experience and then there's a situational part, how you alter your behaviour. Mm. So I think my, my only reticence is the, you know, the phrase natural born salesperson, natural born leader is quite generalised yeah, comments. Yeah. But obviously there may very well potentially be some indicators yeah. that are there. But PRISM, Prism basically allows you to have a good idea of what you need build that profile and interesting the classic hunter profile and farmer they're different behavior behavioral profile yeah and you need someone who's comfortable at initiating lots of drive lots of focus etc to be a, a, a hunter and you need for example a higher ability to coordinate <laughs> the efforts of other people to be a farmer than you would in a classic hunter role so um let me just summarize what i think we are saying so far i think we're saying that when we're recruiting salespeople, there are three key issues. Uh, number one is, can they do the job? Number two is, do they want to do the job? And number three is, will they fit with the team? Will they fit with the culture of the business, the values of the business, yeah. and so on? So if our sales managers listening to this concentrate on those three things that we've covered so far then they won't go far wrong will they isn't so. there a fourth thing before your number one though what? Um, the, so a zero <laughs> is what is the job yep because as you may have had a um, hunter person in that role for the last two years and they they're now leaving yep. and so you're recruiting a replacement for that post but actually that post now needs a farmer role not a hunter role mm. so actually you need to know what kind of job you're actually recruiting for and just because it's a salesperson in a particular situation or territory it doesn't mean that you need the same kind of person with the same kind of behaviors as the person who had that role beforehand That's a good because you need to work out what job you want first before you can find the person for the job which i think goes back to my point earlier around you need to know what you're looking yeah, for and, and what you what you actually need and the current incumbent may not necessarily be what you need yeah. going forward. Now on the subject of fit, a thing we found, do they fit? An interesting thing is the phenomenon of the sales manager recruiting themselves multiple times. Or clones. Or clones, ab ab absolutely. And yes. He must be good, he reminds me of me. Yeah. <laughs> When I was a young chap, imagine how good he'll be with a bit of management from me. So you do, you can end up with a team or with, and we literally, I have done a consultancy project where we used prism brain mapping and we profiled the sales team and we profiled the sales managers. And when you laid them over, laid the system allows you to lay them over the top. They were basically recruiting themselves with the exception of one young lady. Uh, who have very high levels of drive and focus, higher than the rest of them. And um, I said to the I said to the client, uh, "What about this person?" And they said, "Ah, yes, she's very difficult to work with." And I said, "Why?" So, well, she's very driven, very demanding. And she asks for, you know, a lot of stuff all the time. And I said, "But isn't that what you said you wanted to see more of in your sales function?" 
<laughs> which is back to your point of what is it you want yeah. therefore your existing people are not necessarily what you want going forward right. and you have to think about that mm. okay well let, let's um, carry on building some practical tips that our listeners can uh, use a couple I'd like to offer uh, are that when we interview for a salesperson we should get the recruitment process to model the job so for example if the job requires high levels of telephone contact yeah. then the applicant should apply on the phone yeah. not in writing or if the job requires high level of high levels of presentation skills at some stage in the interview process <coughs> we need to get the applicant delivering a short presentation 100%. I think another tip I would offer is to create opportunities within the process where the applicant drops the mask for example when they are sat in reception having a cup of tea uh, that's where the mask will come off so when the PA comes over and says would you like a cup of tea uh, how do they work with that individual are the relationship skills good polite friendly does the applicant try and yeah. engage with the PA uh, or is it a very blunt response yeah. because the applicant would rather carry on reading the newspaper uh, another opportunity where they will drop the mask uh, maybe at a second interview stage or beyond um, is the off-site cup of coffee or meal in a restaurant type yeah. of meeting <clears throat> I think that's another uh, place where they will uh, do them so your, your reluctance to the sell me this pen would be they may not be selling pens. Is that your... <laughs> I, I, I think that type of approach uh, is favoured by sales managers who don't really know what they're doing yeah. and have come up with this rather ballsy technique of putting the applicant on the back foot. Yeah. If there are 35 applicants in reception, then fair enough. But as I said earlier who's recruiting who yeah. and that type of approach is not yeah. going to go down well no. uh, it, when back at home or these days yeah. of course social media when somebody says on uh, on a Facebook uh, or whatever you'll never guess what happened to me when I was interviewed yeah. by this idiot from XYZ Industries. Yeah. Now you've read those posts as well have you? I have. <laughs> <laughs> because that's exactly you're right people are recruiting their managers I can't remember the exact figure but it's something like 83% of people who leave their jobs leave as a result of their manager so they're not leaving their job they're not yeah. leaving the company they're not moving they are leaving because they don't like their manager that's the bulk of reasons why people leave their jobs and so most salespeople are leaving because they don't like the sales manager yeah. that's the reason so if you're recruiting people and you don't want that churn You've got to work out you know, what is it that you're doing right or doing wrong to recruit the right people. And if yeah. you are saying, sell me this pen, or could you sell, you know, tell me how you would sell um, you know, ice to the Eskimos or those other kind of you know, yeah. hackneyed kind of things that are supposedly clever. The person you're recruiting has been for several interviews and has heard that several times. Mm, that's the point. And they can practice. They can practice. But also, they realise that actually you're not a very good manager. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So therefore, they don't want to work for you. No. And even if they do, it will only be a stopgap until they find a proper job. Well, I've certainly been part of many recruitment processes where we've put simulations in place where they have to go into somebody who has 
being the customer in a realistic environment to see how they cope with that situation, how do they establish rapport, how do they introduce themselves, how do they ask questions a little bit more intellectual in depth than sell me this pen which I think has just come into prominence because of the wolf of the wolf of Wall Street yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it backfires spectacularly yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know you, you hear all the stories don't you sell, sell me this pen oh gosh how much do you think it's worth I don't know a pound it's yours you know you've got I mean you're not employing them on trickery no. you know, I mean no. the, I, I guess the original idea of sell me this pen is for them to demonstrate some features and benefit selling in, in, and done in that way but I'm, I'm also picking up on what both of you are saying is sometimes it's done to satisfy the ego of the interviewer yeah. yes. not necessarily to find the quality no, of the quite. candidate absolutely yeah. right you know because some sales managers quite enjoy intimidating people in meetings yeah. uh, in candidates in interview meetings yeah. which mm, not sure your ability to resist intimidation is necessarily the core competence you're looking for yeah. I, I have a question for you guys let's imagine that the sales manager has allocated a 45 minute time slot yeah for the interview, but 10 minutes in realises that the candidate is not appropriate for the role. What would you do? Continue the interview. I'd end the interview. Okay. Do you want to move to you then, Simon? Yeah, why would just you, from a just from a just from a legal point of view that all candidates should be given a fair and equal chance in order to uh, uh, demonstrate their capability for the role, and you need to be able to demonstrate that they've been given a fair chance. There could also be a slow starter. They could potentially be a slow starter, or nerves could have got the better of them. So, for that reason, I would, as trust me, as agonising as it has been for me in the past, <laughs> I would, I would continue the process. And in the opposite corner, in Mr. The opposite, Jones, in the blue corner here, we <laughs> the, the votes for um, ending the interview because we know that the the vast majority of recruitment decisions are made in the first 90 seconds. Yes. So actually, we've already made our mind up before we've got to that 10-minute point. And also, don't forget, they're recruiting us. So they've made their mind up as well. And they're sitting there going, I wish this would end because I'm never going to work for this chap. And you're sitting there going, well, I've got another 50 minutes to fill um, because I want to be polite. And actually, both of you want the interview. How, how would you end it then without demoralising the individual? Well, you wouldn't demoralise them because they already know they don't want the job. So, and that would, that's the reason why it's broken down. That's the reason why you're not going any further with this because you know and they know this isn't right. It's not the right fit. It's not going to work. So you raise the question. You okay. know, I'm not feeling this is going right. How do you feel? And they go, oh, thank goodness for that. I'm glad you mentioned it. Okay. Should we, we leave it there then? Yeah, thanks very much. I think we're going to have to agree to disagree. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, I will. I will. I will. Uh, thank you both for your contribution <laughs> on that. By so. the way, I was. I was uh, amused. Uh, two of my ex colleagues uh, exchanging some Facebook posts a few days ago. They had the situ exactly that situation. Two of them interviewing this poor chap. It was not a good interview. It went disastrously badly wrong. Uh, and the both of them. They ended the interview, then, and out of sort of courtesy, they took the candidate back into the lobby of the hotel where the meeting rooms had been. And as they shook hands with him, the song Another One Bites the Dust by Queen came up the music in the, in the lobby of the hotel. And apparently, it was a hard challenge for them to maintain their professional decorum with the, with the soundtrack. So. Talking of the lobby in the hotel, that reminds me of my biggest recruitment disaster years ago. Ago, uh, where I should have been interviewing for salespeople in a meeting room, of course. Yeah. But no, I decided that I would meet this candidate who had 
got uh, lost the previous day or something and I'd arranged to catch up with him and I said well let's meet in a hotel it was a hotel um, near the uh, Hogsback area near Dorking if you know that part of the world so there I am in reception uh, pretending not to be uh, using the facilities to interview this Canada and who should walk in but Oliver Reed uh, shirt hanging out bottle of wine in left hand young lady in right hand and he went to the reception and I won't repeat the language but the gist of it was uh, give me the key to room 129 and the young lady behind the desk resisted all of this uh, and uh, Oliver Reed became more and more animated all of this was going on behind me and the next thing that I knew he came tumbling over the back of the sofa that I was sat on and was sick on the applicant's shoes <laughs> the guy that I was interviewing <laughs> and the guy that I was interviewing went <laughs> and ran and that's the last time I ever saw him so guideline there has to be if you're going to interview somebody then don't do what I did uh, you know make sure that the yes. environment is right it's appropriate uh, don't do it on the hoof in a hotel reception area just yeah, because it's that short of time. That also shows how much care and attention you're paying on the interview, yeah, the interview yeah. process. How much do you respect there? Exactly. And I have also had the wonderful situation of having had a meeting room booked in a hotel. We were recruiting quite a lot of salespeople and I ended up doing one-to-one interviews as part of the process in a room that was clearly a hotel bedroom with the bed pushed up into the wall and then some tables running and you this is the hazelden casting couch well, actually, method, this is yeah. how it felt and you could just imagine the poor candidates and you bring them in and everybody the minute you walked in you just went this is a bedroom without a bed and therefore felt extremely uncomfortable yeah. environment too so we had to have a little chat with the hotel about suitability of meeting rooms it is about creating the right impression you are as an old boss of mine said, seducing, be yes. careful based on yeah, my yeah. previous story, you are seducing the candidate into wanting the job as much as you're finding Quite out. They're recruiting you. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Could, could I move the conversation more towards the uh, end of the interview and uh, how we would typically handle that? Mm. Uh, one guideline that uh, I would suggest um, comes from a, um, uh, an associate of mine who's a recruitment consultant and would you believe for like 20 years plus uh, he's interviewed five or six salespeople a day yeah wow how on earth he's still saying I'll never know but that's been his job uh, but he told me once that at the end of the interview and he asks this question partly because he's interviewing five or six people a day and of course by the time he gets to five o'clock is, uh, the, the person that he interviewed at nine is but a distant memory. Mm. But the question he always asks, apparently, at the end of every single interview, is he looks the applicant in the eye and says, give me one sentence to remember you by. Oh. I think that's a belter of a question. Very good, yeah. And if the applicant can't conjure up one sentence to remember me by, how on earth are they going to conjure up a sentence when they talk to a customer on one reason why you should be buying this product or mm, service. That's a good That's a good. It's question. a nice question, isn't it? That's and I think the, the, another thing to look for towards the end of the interview is how the applicant finishes the meeting. If this is a sales role, hopefully the applicant might be saying to us, uh, could you just explain what happens now? Yeah. 
um, can we talk on Friday? Uh, if the applicant is not attempting to, quote, close the sale, unquote, no. then how are they going to behave in front of the customer? Probably they'll get to the end of a sales call and say to the customer, well, no doubt you'll want to think about it. Uh, and they won't actually push right. for any agreement or commitment. So those would be two of my sort of tips on finishing the thing off. Anything you'd like to add to that before we finish off this particular broadcast? No, I think that, I just think that's a great, uh, thank you for sharing that. That's, a, that's going to be now included as a, <laughs> in my recruitment going forward. I just think it's a really nice way. It's their mini elevator pitch or whatever you want to call it. Can they, can they sell your product or your brand successfully? Can they sell themselves? It's a great way to find it out. I think I'd like to see, I'm not, I wouldn't ask them, but I'd like to see how much they offer me in terms of additional information when they're leaving. Because if you think of a sales appointment, you make a sales appointment and you're going to leave them with marketing collateral, some mm. kind of thing to encourage them for further contact afterwards. So what are they going to do at the end of the meeting to encourage me for further contact? Are they going to say, you know, here's my Twitter address? Or are they going to say, you know, I'm sure you've looked me up on LinkedIn, but you might like to look at what I do on mm. um, Facebook. Or they might say, you know, uh, you've read my CV, uh, but I thought I'd like to leave you with my pamphlet on how to sell pens or whatever it is that they've written. Mm. Um, uh, in other words, how much effort are they putting in to selling themselves at the end of the meeting? Yes. Or are they just leaving it with, yeah. okay, well, I'll wait to hear from you. Living they're they're, they're putting the control back to you. Yeah. Well, As a salesperson, you want them to take control. Yes, and if you go back to my comments earlier from the behavioural interviewing, that recent behaviour is the most likely yeah. predictor of future behaviour, their behaviour in the meeting is, you know, the meta-behaviour, I suppose yeah. we might say, not just the answers to the questions, but everything from encounter with the receptionist, if, if, if you have that one, how they enter the room, all the way through to how they close is actually good evidence for you to include as yeah. part of your decision making process. Maybe we should finish this particular um, episode with uh, giving our listeners one sentence to remember this episode by. Mm. Uh, I know you weren't expecting me to say that, but my uh, one sentence to remember this episode by would be that, like many things in sales and business, uh, effective recruitment is won or lost in the preparation stage. Yep. That would be my one sentence to remember this episode by. Any thoughts on what your one sentence would be? Yes, I'd add to that. You won't know. You need to know what you're looking for if you want to find it, which is which links, I think, into Phil's planning and preparation. So we're back to your profile. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The mixture of the knowledge, the skills, all of those competencies yep. that you yep. referred to. Uh, You've both stolen my one sentence, uh, so I'll add another then, which is, it, it, it's not about their answers to the questions, it's about their total behaviour. So you're assessing them as a person, not their technical knowledge, not, uh, not their ability to tell you how they sell a pen, you're looking at their whole behaviour. Yeah. What, uh, what kind of person are they? That's the most important thing. Yeah, I had a client who told me that... Um the uh, the salespeople that they interviewed sometimes weren't great with the receptionist, which is extremely interesting because my client was a managing director and the receptionist was his wife. And so over dinner in the evening, how was your day, darling? Yeah, I'm thinking of employing the guy. Which one was he? Oh, the guy with the dark hair and the red tie. Oh, no, you're not. <laughs> so it was an interesting... Uh, it was just an interesting... Um, 
part of that. It's the whole. It's the whole thing. Well, we're back to the mask there, aren't we? Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> she's clearly seen that Canada with the mask off. Absolutely. Yeah. How yeah. and and his inability to get on with receptionists could, for example, be a major flaw to his ability to do his job. So I, I think it's great. It's totally in which case, great. we have another sentence, don't we? Make sure your receptionist is always a member of your own family. <laughs> <laughs> and on that yes. note, on that note, so we've had some fun with recruitment. I think we had uh, stage zero <laughs> was Graham's. What is the job? No, so stage one, what's the job? Stage two, can they do the job? Do they want to do the job? Stage three and four, will they fit? Were some of the key some of the key points we we talked about talking about recruitment so good luck and good recruiting to all our listeners and uh, this has been Simon Hazeldean, Graham Jones and uh, Phil Jessen back from Australia good day. for the sales chat show.com thank you for listening have been listening to an episode of the sales chat show to stream or download a host of further free episodes that will power your sales success please visit saleschatshow.com thank you very much for listening to this episode and from everyone here at the sales chat show we'd like to wish you good luck and good selling (laughs) 